Hello and welcome to Blended Not Shaken, a Christian worship podcast where we talk about worship leadership, about blended worship, and about worshiping Christ in 2020, 2021, 2022, and beyond. I am sitting here recording this right now in a very cold room, which means that it is somewhere in the middle of winter. But if you have found this even in the summertime, welcome, hello, I'm glad that you're here. This is basically an introduction just to let you know what you can expect while you're here at this podcast. I'll introduce myself and I'll introduce the ideas and the concepts behind what we're doing, and then we'll go into it a little bit. First of all, my name is Damien, and I am a, uh, a worship pastor. I'm also a youth pastor. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I, I'm a whole lot of things. But for this context, I, I lead worship at a, at a Baptist church in Texas. And here we have a blended tradition, which means that we take hymns and we take contemporary songs, and we use all of them for the utility of worship. And so... One of my challenges has been to find how to more effectively lead both styles so that they are all supported by the people who come and worship here. When I studied worship studies at Liberty University, they talked about blended worship a whole lot. And at that that point in time, I didn't realize that that's something that I would be getting myself into. I studied it because I had to. And I wondered a whole lot about the guys who were going to be doing that, and I wondered how effective it actually was. Now, I loved singing hymns, and when I had led worship at a military base before I studied those things, I used hymns because there are hymns that are absolutely dear to me and actually made sense, including them alongside of some of the contemporary songs that we did. And so I came to this setting not new to hymns. I grew up singing hymns at the churches where I went, and contemporary songs were not something that were really part of my worship tradition until I was in my 20s. Uh, So my childhood was rooted in hymns, and I participated in the choirs that we had a part of, and I even, like, my last time I sang tenor was when I was a freshman in high school singing in the Messiah that year when we lived in a place that did the Messiah. So for me, it was something where these are all my songs. What I have discovered, though, is that there are camps within the context of Christian worship. There are camps of people, some who say, well, you have to do it this way, or some who say, well, you can only do it that way, and some who say, well, you can do that way over there. You can do it way over there out of earshot. And so my challenge is trying to find a way to build bridges between camps and invite people out of the camps. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the song, How He Loves. It was a really, really big song. It was, you know, probably about, let's see, about 10 years ago, it became a big song. And uh, David Crowder and his band made it big, but it was something that was written by a person before him. And, uh, and Crowder, believe it or not, changed the words to the song, which for some people is just outright heresy when you change the words to a worship song. But the original words in the, uh, toward the end of the song, the words say, heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. And David Crowder changed the words to heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. And so there's still that kissing metaphor in there, but it's a little bit gentler. It's not quite as, I remember ninth grade too. 
sort of thing. And so it's it it calls back to the idea that it's possible to change the words. And he did change the words. And apparently there were camps around that. People who they knew the original song like the hipsters they were. And they said, no, you can only sing this song right if you sing Sloppy Wet Kiss because that's the way it was originally written. Well, guess what? I was reading on Twitter about two years ago and the original author thanked David Crowder for bringing that song into the public eye because he loved the song so much. And the two men had an incredible amount of respect for each other and ended the feud that all of their fans had for some reason started on their behalf. Like, I will defend the honor of the person who sings my favorite song. Well, neither one of these men needed that because they did these songs to worship Christ. When I studied worship, every single class began with the same idea. And it was, it was two things that they said. One of them was they started with the William Temple definition for worship. And the, the William Temple uh, definition for worship is beautiful. It's, it's long, it's elegant, and it's absolutely something that everybody needs to study at least once or twice just to be able to get the full effect of what he divined worship to be. He said, Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will to his purpose. All this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. Get that purifying of imagination. In in other words, when you enter into worship, no matter what your imagination has been up to, no matter what kind of shenanigans you have submitted it to, it actually takes it and cleans it just by calling on the name of Jesus. Nourishment of mind with his truth, as as in like, it it doesn't matter how smart you are and how how intellectual you uh, hold yourself to be. There's nothing that that feeds your mind more effectively than his truth, the opening of the heart to his love. I think that's probably one of the most effective ones out of this entire thing, but the opening of the heart. There are so many people whose hearts are closed that their, their hearts are shut to people because of all of the, uh, difficulties that people have gone through because of everything that people have done to each other on behalf of trying to be right and trying to grind their their correctness into each other, that opening up the heart is actually one of the hardest things and one of the most necessary things. And so William Temple here is saying that one of the he- ways that we heal that hurt is through worship of God, the surrender of will to his purpose. Of course, the last one being putting him in charge of all of those things, all this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. So every class I ever took started with that quote. It always started with William Temple, but it did not stop with William Temple. It always went on to the next thing, which was Romans 12, 2, which which talks about uh, presenting ourselves as living sacrifices which is an acceptable act of worship. 
presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. And so this, these classes, which primarily and only dealt with music as the thing which we would train at becoming better at leading, we always had to come back to the idea that if we become the absolute best music leaders any church has ever seen on the planet, we have only just graced up against the side of what actual worship actually is. So I do that today because I did that then. It is just part of my personal liturgy of talking about worship is by saying that when I talk about worship, I'm just using the word worship as a shorthand word for saying musical worship. When I talk about worship, I'm talking about the songs that we sing, the, 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 the music that we play. I will occasionally talk about some of the dances that happen on the stage that are worshipful dances. Uh, I lived in Hawaii for five years, and one of the great acts of worship I ever got to see on stage was, uh, uh, was uh, praise and worship hula. It is incredible, it's beautiful, and it's something that when you see it, you say amen every single time. Clearing out the camps is so important. And it is what I feel like is my lifelong goal and my lifelong quest here is to find a way to reconcile worship traditions together. Because right now, it's contemporary and hymns in blended worship. But at some point in time, the, the shoe is going to go onto the other foot. We're going to see the other side of the coin and any other corny phrase you could say about, about experiencing the other side's issues, where people who are completely for contemporary worship are going to run into a kind of worship that they themselves don't support. And so I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if we're going to suddenly like have like a worship hip hop happening, or I, I don't know what it's going to be. It might be a time when we actually remove music from our worship gatherings for a while. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's always going to be something that someone's going to say, you know, I don't know if Jesus really likes this. And it's always the way it's been. It's always the way it's going to be. This is what we refer to as the worship wars. And the, the term worship wars is only about 30, 40 years old. I say only 30, 40 years. That's a long time for people to fight. But the idea of the worship wars goes way longer back in time than that. I mean, you can look back into the 1800s when the Baptist churches in England had a meeting because they were upset about all of the modern music being used back then. I read modern music as pub songs being used in worship because they might actually have grubby sinners sitting in their churches next to all of the saved people. Just let that sink in for a second, you know. But the worship wars go even before that. It goes before the splitting of the, the, uh, the, the Catholic and Protestant churches. It goes back even before the splitting of the, uh, the, the Roman Catholic Church and the uh, Eastern Orthodox Church. It goes uh, back even before the um, birth, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The worship wars precede Israel as a nation. In fact, the worship wars began when Cain killed Abel because Abel's act of worship, his sacrifice, was acceptable to God. And Cain's act of sacrifice, his act of worship and his sacrifice was not. And if you want to know how to perpetuate 
the worship wars. Compare yourself to the person sitting next to you and ignore the voice of God because that was Cain's mistake. Instead of listening for God and saying, what do you want? You obviously rejected what I brought. And it's not about, like, you know, the cartoons say, like, you know, he, he brought vegetables and he brought, like, grubby vegetables. It wasn't about vegetables versus meat. It was about the idea that Cain brought his whatever and Abel brought his absolute best. And so when Cain brought whatever to the worship space, God said, okay, whatever. And when Abel brought his best, God took it as worship and as love. And he didn't forever reject Cain, but he rejected that moment with Cain to protect Cain from ever approaching God with anything but his actual heart. And that's the same way it is today. God rejects our worship when it is not with our heart. He rejects our worship when it is just filling the motions, when it's just going through the stuff. It's God rejects our worship when we are not actually worshiping. He rejects our worship when it is not an act of sacrifice, when it is not our heart being brought in. When Jesus sat with the woman at the well, he said, a day is coming and is now here when you will worship in spirit and in truth. And when we bring neither one of them to him, he says, okay, whatever. And, you know, he doesn't destroy us, but he protects us by not allowing us to persist in anything but our best. Because he, has, he brings his best to us consistently out of love, and he wants us to learn that love from him and to not be ensnared and put into shackles by a religious act that has no love. So, in the future, we will have some people come on to this podcast and describe their worship traditions. We'll have them describe kind of how they grew up, who they are, uh, like where they sit within the area of hymns or contemporary, what kind of hymns they like the most, uh, whether they like choir music, whether they like band music, if they're like metalheads, you know, kind of where they, where, they, where they sit. And then most importantly, if they were to be able, bringing their absolute best to God, what kind of music that would be like. And one last thing we'll have on this podcast is at our church, we've started reading through the Bible in a year. So I'm going to start uh, including some people's opinions uh, about the readings that we have for the week, uh, for what's going on. I'm going to start posting this podcast onto our church's webpage uh, just for something else for, for people to listen to if they need something to hear while they're doing what they're doing. I don't know that this is exactly someone's workout jam, but if it is, you know, breathe it in through the nose, out through the mouth. You're almost done. You, you've, you've got this just, you know, you know, 200 more meters to go and you can finish. I, I hope that helped. But in any case, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you. and We absolutely want to see you bring your very best to the foot of the cross and to the altar to worship God with the submission of your entire life and your adoration of him, the most beautiful thing that you can do with your life. So until next time, we'll see you here at Blended Not Shaken. <laughs>